Welcome to another edition of Off Air with Carmen. My guest today is Laura Whitaker, and she is the Executive Director of ESP, which stands for Extra Special People. So my first interaction with ESP was a few years ago when I was at an event in Athens, and there was this coffee service there, and it was all run by people with disabilities and special needs. And being super familiar with Young Life's Capernaum, I was instantly drawn to this crew. And get this, y'all. They call themselves Joyristas. Oh, it's the cutest thing ever. And every cup of coffee is served with a hug. You're going to love my conversation with Laura as she talks about ESP and the programs that help assist, encourage, and employ these wonderful friends. And oh my goodness, y'all, wait till you hear the part about the white apron ceremony. Oh, here's my conversation with Laura. Okay, Laura, I'm really happy that you're here because Jules, I tell you what, Jules, I started, I've got to start giving her cred as like my executive producer. I have co-executive producers, Haley and Jules, but Jules has been booking, booking me lately. And when she was kind of going down a list of folks that she thought that I should talk to on my podcast, your name was like, at the top of the list. Aww. And I, as soon as she said it, and she said extra special people, I'm like, ah, is that Java Joy? And she goes, yes, ding, 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 exactly. So it was probably three years ago that we purchased the Athens station. And I remember us going into Athens, the morning cruise, um, Dave, Bill, myself, and we had a couple of different receptions. And Young Life is my background. And a big part of Young Life is the Capernaum ministry with kids with with special needs. And so we were having a coffee reception. And when Java Joy rolled in and they set up coffee and I saw the sweetest kids come in and start working those carts, I don't even think I talked to the donors. (laughs) (laughs) I went straight to the kids and started talking to them. And so I, I may not be... I know we're going to go back because I want to hear how you became involved with ESP and that stands for extra special people. But I have to start there because that was my introduction to your organization. Goodness gracious. How special is that? Isn't it beautiful? And they have this way of this human connection that I think we're all craving. Right. And so you're at a you know, a fundraiser or you're at a bank or wherever you are. Mm -hmm. And Java Joy goes from everything from high rises to middle schools, you know, and everything in between. So Java Joy is a mobile coffee cart. Mm -hmm. And um, our goal is to spread engagement for people with developmental disabilities while we're working on that 87% of adults who want and can work are unemployed. Mm. So Java Joy currently has over 85 Joyristas. So you add Joy, joy plus barista e- yeah. equals a Joyrista. Yeah. That's what we call them. And um, and we're working on that unemployment rate while also giving people just that human connection, that joy that they really want and crave. Yeah. So is the Java Joy, is it only in Athens? Is it in Atlanta now? Like where where are the carts? That's a great question. So we f- we were founded in, in Athens. Okay. Um, and really the heart of, of why we founded it is – at our organization, ESP, we built um, a larger building and we had corporate partners coming in. So mm-hmm. for-profit businesses coming in to volunteer. And I had these business owners coming up to me and saying, Laura, you know, almost kind of confessing, like, I love coming to ESP. I love my employees being involved with ESP. But 
it's kind of selfish because my employees are coming back to the office and they're more joyful Mm -hmm. and they're thus more productive Mm -hmm. and my bottom line looks better. And so that was really kind of the light bulb. Like not everybody can come to ESP, but what if we took that ESP and we went to other people Mm -hmm. and we spread it? And that's really how Java Joy got started. And I'll never forget, we did this little Kickstarter and we raised the $15,000. We had a janitor cart. (laughs) We're in a bank. It's Christmas time. It's our very first booking. And let me tell you, we had a line of business owners. How can I get this to my business? When can I book Java Joy? And um, and it was beautiful. You're watching Joy Reese's and they have, you know, everything from autism to right. Down syndrome to cerebral palsy. Yeah. And I always say, I can't be a Joy Reese. Carmen can't be a right, Joy Reese. Right. Like, you were created to mm-hmm. be a Joy Reese. Go do what you know how to do. And I knew that first booking, I was like, okay, this is it. Like, yeah. this is going to work. And then um, since then, we have launched in San Francisco, which is a whole story within itself, in Atlanta and in Rome, Georgia. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so, and, and we are going to go back to ESP, and I want to start at the beginning because I know you took over as, as executive director at 19, and there's a whole story with that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, to stay on Java Joy for just a couple of minutes, if someone, like, say someone in Tampa or someone in Orlando, if they wanted to say, hey, I want Java Joy in my city do you have like a, and I don't want to use the word plug and play in a disrespectful way, but do you have a the model written out to where you could almost have a franchise of it, I guess? Absolutely. You do? Yes, okay. we do. We've got the full model. And okay. really what it takes is a champion. So okay. someone who says, puts a flag in the, in the ground and says, we've, we've got to have this in, in wherever. And then a local organization. So mm-hmm. um, a nonprofit that's already serving this population of people is a key piece to it. Um, and then a coffee partner. So in Athens, we serve Jittery Joes. Yeah. Um, but in our large cities, we have um, Counterculture Coffee, which is um, a really neat coffee company. So we have we use a local coffee roaster in every city as well. So yes, there's definitely My a model. wheels are spinning. Come on, girl. Right now, because I'm going, okay, we have Betty Brew. I have my youngest daughter, Abigail Elizabeth, who I think would literally do cartwheels to do something like this. How cool. Okay, we're going to pause on that because we're going <laughs> to circle back around to Java Joy because, man, I would love my vision is to have a Java Joy in every city that the Joy FM has heard. I mean, I would love to partner that to be our official coffee cart of Come the Joy on. FM. When we have events, concerts, when we have sticker stops, like it's just, it can be done. It so can I want be to done. dream that. So let's go back to your story. Tell me a little bit about your story, what you were, I think you were involved with an organization volunteering when you were in college, and that's what led you to um, become a part of ESP. So tell me a little bit about Absolutely. your story. Well, yeah, I mean, I think an important part of my story is, as I always like to mention, so I grew up in Atlanta, and um, my parents were very philanthropic in the sense that I grew up not really knowing that my parents had a whole lot of money, but they were very generous with their money, whether it was the local church or local organizations. They served on boards, and and we volunteered as a family. And so, you know, now as a mom of three children, I you know, I would love to remind, I know there's a lot of listeners that are parents, and oftentimes we feel that tension of like volunteering or the board meeting, or I've got to miss dinner because of this. I watched that happen Mm. in my life and that implanted that idea that it was my responsibility 
to go and serve my community. And I, you know, what we do today is what our children will one day display. And I just feel like that idea of parents really mm-hmm. setting setting the goal. And so my parents did that. And um, so I went to college, the University of Georgia, and, um, and knew I wanted to volunteer. And so um, it was actually my my ex-boyfriend's sister who introduced okay. me to ESP. It's the okay. only good contribution <laughs> he made to our okay. relationship was okay. introducing me to ESP. And, um, you know, for an Atlanta girl going into Watkinsville, which is only 15 miles outside of Athens. Mm-hmm. But um, I passed cows and chickens and and I'm like, where am I going? And I went to this little tiny building mm-hmm. um, and it changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, started volunteering for ESP. It was small at the time, serving about 40 kids with developmental disabilities. But what I saw that one day was a place where kids could be loved Mm. and hugged and celebrated, not for what they're not, which Mm -hmm. is what the rest of the world sees. They were celebrated Mm. for who they were. And I was addicted. I mean, the first time I volunteered there, I'm like, okay, these are my people. Like this, I, I can't leave. So I asked the founder at the time, I'm coming back next month. It was a Saturday club program. What can I do to help? And um, she said, well, you can run music next next Saturday or the, the following Saturday. And I said, okay. I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> Came back with my boom box as an 18-year-old and yeah. made a fool of myself. But mm. that's really how I got started. And mm. it was a year later that our founder um, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and passed away pretty suddenly after that. Mm. So... And is that when you became the executive director or you be, you came on staff? Yes. So she was Were you executive director at the time or I mean was it handed to you at 19? It was handed <gasps> to me. So Nora. I was taking finals um at the University of Georgia and received the phone call and it was like, "Hey, we don't have anybody to run camp next summer. Would you do it?" Wow. And so, you know, I I didn't know what I didn't know. Right, exactly. And I think 19-year-olds think they I can think, do anything. Right, yeah. right. And it's all it I have found in my life that's it's it's good that we don't know what we don't know because if we did, we would we wouldn't say yes. That's exactly right. Wow. And I knew I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so, um at 19 I had to raise $50,000. We had a deficit. Um the founder's husband and daughter were the ones that hired me and kind of said, by the way, I was the only one that was interviewing for the position. It yeah. wasn't like yeah, there yeah, were yeah. other options. Yeah. Yeah. So they said, you know, Laura, you've got to hire 30 camp counselors, hmm. all your age or older. You've got to plan camp for 60 kids with developmental disabilities. You've got to hire the bus drivers. You've got to plan the programs. you got to finish your sophomore year of college. Um, and you got to raise $50,000. And so that was kind of my first, um, my first entry into watching a community rally together for something really beautiful. And um, I went to every radio station <laughs> that would listen to me yeah. and said, yeah, we're closing our doors and told mm. the story over and, and over, over again. Mm. And, and people came together. And that was my first entry into leadership, into fundraising, into pulling a community together for something really big and beautiful and then um it has just grown from wow. that point forward yeah. when you look back at that season because 19 goodness gracious so when you look back at that season now at, when you were that age what are like the first thoughts that you have is it one of those things where it's like is it a sweetness where you know god was just carrying you 
I mean, blazing a trail for you? Like, what are your thoughts when you think back on that season? Because a lot of times, when I mean, when you're walking through a season like that, it's not fun. No. But then when you look back, it's only in hindsight and maturity and seeing something grow the way God intended that you can look back and you can say, okay, I see it now. Yes. I look back, you know, I'm kind of laughing over here because I look back at my 19-year-old self and I'm like, man, you know, I was... I had a swim team bathing suit tan, <laughs> sweaty umbros, yeah, listening yeah. to 90s music in my red Honda Accord, mm-hmm. um, literally changing, going into an interview, changing from my camp clothes to throw on something different. So I look back on that time, and, and it's really sweet in the sense of that childlife like faith kind mm-hmm, of sweet. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm so glad I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad I didn't know that we could have been sued for all the things we could have been sued for. for. I, I didn't know what I didn't know. Right, and yeah. and I really do feel like God carried mm. us through that time. Mm-hmm. And then there were so, you know, now that I have a, a staff of over 100 people and we've grown the organization. You have a staff of over 100? Yeah. Wow. So we've got 30 full-time staff and okay. then we've got an additional 75 part-time, part-time. staff. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I didn't you, know, but yeah. but I was the only yeah. staff member, you know, wow. and, I, and so I've gone through so many seasons since then. But yeah, when I think about that 19 year old and the sweaty umbros, I just think like, man, I'm so thankful mm-hmm. that I didn't know. And I'm so mm-hmm. thankful that God filled in all the cracks of the yeah. things that I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. And there is uh, having volunteered with Capernaum and most of my time was with Young Life, you know, regular high school camp and things like that. But man, the handful of times that I volunteered with Capernaum, there is a, there is, and I think you might have mentioned it earlier, but there is such a purity yes. and a sweetness that you just, you can't even explain until you experience it. I mean, when you want to see a ch- childlike faith or what it really feels like it's like it's going to be in heaven where there's just there's just a purity i don't know any other way it's i think it's our it's the closest to our truest selves in christ yes when you are with with these kids yes and i'm sure that there were times when you probably just wanted to give up where you'd have a conversation or interaction and it's like nope this is my why yes i mean my why many times (laughs) yeah many many times and also it's been interesting as i've you know grown within the organization and have been there 17 years. I think, you know, the beauty of what you're talking about and seeing um, unfiltered, Mm -hmm. um, beautiful, pure hearts, and then that also that 19-year-old who didn't know anything, it really has been a constant reminder to me as we've grown the organization, as we've learned a thing or two, that really humility is the secret sauce to great leadership Mm -hmm. and to growth. And that humility that I had when I was 19, because I didn't know, Mm -hmm. I still should have that same amount of humility today. And, um, and they're an everyday reminder of that, just like that childlike heart to remember what's important. The hug Mm -hmm. is important. Mm -hmm. The, the conversation that we have on the couch is important. The looking at each other in the eyes is important. The friendship is important. And those are all things that I'm reminded of. I feel like every day when I Mm -hmm. think other things are important, Mm -hmm. they remind me, the people Mm -hmm. that we serve remind me what's important, which is really cool. So you're leading this organization at 19 years old. You don't, 
don't know what you're you don't know what you don't know as you said yeah. so since then because you're sitting here today as a 36 year old woman i know we're yes. not supposed to say our ages yeah. but you're sitting here as a 36 year old woman now married yeah three kids like what has that looked like to to grow with the organization when you met your husband you're obviously this is this is such a part of your life so how did that how did that work i mean he did you meet him through the organization or how did... So we met on a blind date, okay. actually. And Joseph is seven years older than me. Okay. So I was interning for a campus ministry along with running ESP because I had to get a paycheck somehow. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and so that was my part-time job. And Joseph actually worked with our campus minister and grew up with our campus minister. So he comes to Atlanta. He's like, I'm looking for a wife. And um, and our campus minister sets us up. So here I am like going on a blind date with a geriatric... <laughs> patient <laughs> and also he was a florida fan he's a florida guy oh, i'm a georgia ooh, girl yeah, and, and he's so. got this like florida gator on the back of his jeep ooh. and i'm like who is this man mm-hmm. um but he i mean he he got me like our blind date he got me he was mm. humble and gentle and kind and had lived a lot of life and i was craving maturity at the time and so I think that seven years between mm-hmm. a woman and a man sometimes well, my is husband good. and I are 13 years so I get it yeah <gasps> yes I totally you, get it. you totally yeah, get it yep, yep, yep. so it just worked and um you know he's I call him the real boss because he's really you know he he works at a private school has his own job but um he loves this organization mm. just as much as I do so he's supported from day one day one mm. day one and there in fact there have been very three very particular moments in my career where I have said I'm hanging up the towel this Mm. is it you know I'm I'm done I want to focus on my children or this is this is too big of a mountain for me to climb um really hard leadership challenges Mm -hmm. you know leading people Mm -hmm. is hard (laughs) and I didn't know how to do that at a young age and really kind of made a lot of mistakes hiring mistakes and things like that and he I mean very pointed moments where he reminded me you are made for this Mm. you cannot quit you were god made you for this take a day and then wake up tomorrow and get get back to work um so he's absolutely been um really a partner in this all the way and then watching my children grow up in this so we i always have three and a half kids Mm -hmm. um we have mia who's a 36-year-old. Her and I are actually the same age. Okay. She has Down syndrome, and she okay. lives with our family okay. as well. So she's she's some days like a sister, some days like a child, some Got days it. like a friend, depending on if I have stolen her favorite snack or, <laughs> you know, what yeah, what's going right, on yeah. in our household. Um, so my kids have grown up with Mia, gotcha. and then they've also grown up around ESP. And it's, and it's been a really beautiful kind of experiment. Yeah. To watch typical kids grow up kind of in this yeah, community. Yeah, talk to us about the, those dynamics because it, it would be different. I mean, because this is all they know. So I guess the two the two questions that come to mind is, number one, what is that dynamic them growing up with? Um, I mean, because they're around ESP yeah. kids all the time. And then also give us some, because I know a lot of times um, parents who have kids they don't know how to talk to their children about kids with special needs. So give us some insight on both of those things. So, you know, one of my biggest light bulb moments, and I've had several raising typical children in this community is the very first one that I ever had was I, I was going to pick up Owen. He's my 13 year old. He was five at the time. And I kind of came up behind him at school and he was talking to one of his friends and his friend said, my mom is a doctor. 
what does your mom do? Mm. And Owen, at five years old, said, well, my mom works at ESP. Do you know what ESP is? And the kid shook his head no. And Owen said, well, it's like if you get to be – if you're really cool – then you get to be in a wheelchair. Hmm. And if you get to be in a wheelchair, you get to go to this place called ESP. Wow. And I was like, what? I mean, we had never had that conversation. You know, that was his own little five-year-old observation. But what it did for me at that moment was it helped me to realize at five, the way we see the world versus Mm -hmm. at 15 versus at 30, you know, Mm -hmm. we see, and I think that's one of the reasons God calls us to have a childlike heart is we see people differently. And then as we age, we begin to see differences as a negative thing, Mm -hmm. right? And um, and so there's been those kind of conversations that have come up a lot. And in the way that I typically teach my children and then my children's friends, because that's been the other cool thing, is now bringing their community of friends to ESP and teaching them and training them um, is really all through the lens of an ability filter. Hmm. And so the way I describe it is that we all have things that we're really great at. And then we all have things that are beautiful about us and we all have things that we're not great at. And so some of us are really great at math and some of us are not great at math. And some of us are really great singers. If you put me in a microphone mm. and ask me to sing, forget uh-uh. about it. Same forget sister. it. Yeah. Um, and so we all have abilities and disabilities. Right. But what would it be like mm-hmm. if someone looked at me and valued my worth by how I can sing? You know, and mm-hmm. it's the same thing with someone with autism mm-hmm. or someone with Down syndrome or someone in a wheelchair. That's a piece of them. But if we look at them through an ability filter, it's like, oh, you know, that's Mia. And yes, she has Down syndrome, but she's an awesome bowler. And she ha- works a full-time job at the hospital. And she remembers everybody's birthday and mm-hmm. draws a picture. And she's a great friend. And so yeah. that kind of language is what I typically use to teach typical children mm-hmm. on how to – and really, it goes far and beyond past disability, right? Yeah, I mean, sure. it goes to race and it goes mm-hmm. to socioeconomic background. It's like, what if we did just look at each other – the way I think God looks at us, mm-hmm. which is through that ability filter mm. and the way that he good. created us. That's mm. kind of how we talk about it. One of my favorite people on earth is Gregory. Gregory has Down syndrome. I met Gregory, goodness, years ago. It has to be over 10 years ago. And Gregory, talk about honest. I mean, he, <laughs> listen, if you want to know what, yes, if you want to know about anything or what he's thinking, uh-huh. he'll you tell just, you. You just ask him. But one of my favorite things, well, first of all, I can remember being at a promotion. This is hilarious. At a promotion one time, and I had on a blue jean. It looked like a mini skirt, but it was a skort. Tells you how long ago because those oh, aren't yeah. even in style anymore. And so he he basically stands up. I'm standing up in this coffee shop talking about the guest artist that's about to sing and all of a sudden you hear you know Gregor and I'm actually going to have Barb and Greg Gregory on the podcast so I'm kind of <sighs> glad that we're having this conversation now but I just remember <laughs> him screaming from the back of the room he was like Carmen that skirt looks hoochie <laughs> <laughs> there you go it was totally a skirt, but from his I mean it looked like from a mini skirt from his perspective but then on the very on the flip side you know he tells everybody that I'm his girlfriend but it's yes. okay because Pete knows okay so Pete that makes knows. it okay as long yes. as Pete knows it's yes. fine and he makes you feel good about oh, yourself 100%. other than the hoochie skirt yeah, so you know he makes yes He's like yeah it looks huge <laughs> but then the other thing that was hilarious is he used to come up and help me with t-shirts for turkeys we do a promotion in the fall 
where you bring us a frozen turkey and we give you a t-shirt and you know how women are like one thing about women is we're always sensitive about our weight or what have you and I'll never forget people walking up to the table and Gregory's trying to yell out to them what size he thinks you'll need an extra large I'm like Gregory don't tell them you let them how much you, do you weigh you yes. let them tell you how much or yes. you let them tell you what size yes. they want so anyway but isn't that refreshing I, oh it's so refreshing it's like, who cares what size you are yes it's who so cares refreshing what size t-shirt you look like I just yes. love it I yes. love it I love it yes and my youngest daughter Abby she was doing a Capernaum camp and the whole stomach bug ran through the camp oh, it was oh no. it was terrible so I remember having to go get Abby and several of the other girls a couple of them had Down syndrome others I think it was autism but they needed rides back too and I could just remember driving back and bless their hearts they're sitting in the back of the car we're on these country roads in the back roads of Florida and they're like Miss Carmen Miss Carmen I think I'm gonna be sick you know and you're pulling over and you're helping them and I don't know I just I tell you I to me being with that community is just, I know I keep saying it over and over, but there's just nothing like there's it. Nothing but like what it. happens is fear. People, one, are scared of saying the wrong thing. Yes. Or they, they don't know how to interact, you know, with the different abilities. Yeah. And I just think that there's there's a, a fear of doing the wrong thing, which that could be said just about anything in our culture yes. these days. But there's just a fear of doing the wrong thing that keeps you from engaging and that's that's really the beauty behind java joy is it gives people these moments Mm -hmm. this quick moment Mm -hmm. and they're they may be going to cash a check at a bank or whatever and they have this moment and actually that's that's how we got to san francisco we were in atlanta Mm -hmm. serving at a um, worldwide sales training meeting Hmm. there was a uh, venture capitalist from San Francisco who had invested in this company. Okay. He was about to walk on stage. He went up. He got some coffee. He got a hug from Colin. We we call him Cool Man. Um, he heard Enjoy. Mm-hmm. And somebody told him, hey, you know, Andrew's about to go speak on stage. So Colin said, good luck. Let me give you another hug. Aww. He walked on stage, mm-hmm. completely changed what he was about to share talked about Java Joy, mm. had never had an interaction with someone with a disability before. Wow. wow. Ever. Wow. And he said, it's the hug I didn't know that I needed. And mm. it completely changed his life. He called me three days later. He said, I have to bring Java Joy to San Francisco. And he was like, I'm working with all these tech companies. They've got their heads and their phones. Yeah. We've dehumanized business. People have got to look up and engage right. and hug. It's so mm. counterculture to it where is. we're going right now. Right. And he's like, I have to bring it to San mm. Francisco. And so six months later, we loaded an airplane. We brought five Joyristas with us for their first ever business trip. Yeah. Oh, my god! Got on Delta with their polo, <laughs> Java Joy yeah. polos on. Yeah. We gave out everybody on the plane, had little samples of Java Joy coffee. Get we told them town. where we were going. <gasps> The entire plane clapped for us you as we get left out, with all the biscotti Laura. little coffees. It was amazing. Oh. And then we went, I mean, we were in the Transamerica building, the Airbnb corporate, the Lyft, but, I mean, all of it, spreading hug. And, and most of these people, like you said, they don't, 
the only way for us to walk through fear is to have a moment right. and to face it, yeah. right? And then they have these moments and it's just a cup of really right. good cup of coffee right. and a hug. Yeah. But that moment in and of itself can yeah. be life changing once you actually interact. And that's that's, that's true. what we're it's trying so to do true. through Java Joy. So tell us how did Java Joy come to be? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, how long has it been around? I mean, was that just just uh, since 2016. Okay. So we we really didn't want to do like a retail shop sure. because we knew the Carmens may come in. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. because she's already had this experience with mm-hmm. Capernaum. She's our, she right. knows our, our community. Mm-hmm. What our goal was is to go into the places that people have never had an experience with someone with a disability. And so um, so after we started it, it with the Kickstarter campaign, we had the, you know, line out the door, all of that. We started going and. I think that next year we did like 170 events in one year. So, I mean, an average of, you know, one every other day. Like you don't even know. I seriously want to start Java Joy as my, like, first Let's of do all, it. I don't, the last thing I have is time on my hands these days, but like, I'm ready to start a Java Joy like this afternoon. Let's do it. Like set up a Kickstarter. Come on. Tampa. Let's I'm not do kidding it. You. So anyway, Let's I interrupted. I'm just so excited. It is. It is a game changer. changer. It is. And the cool thing, too, is it builds community. So, like, we have organizations, businesses that will buy and gift a Java Joy booking. Okay. So, for example, like, you know, if Joy FM was right. what there was a great partner that you had mm-hmm. or um, a release of a new song or whatever, yeah. you could gift a booking. Okay. And that is so cool, too, because you're essentially like, paying it forward so not only are you employing these joy ristas not only are you helping with disability awareness not only are you spreading joy but Mm -hmm. then you're gifting it to another business or organization or a wedding or a birthday party or whatever it is um so it's really really beautiful to watch so now we're in atlanta and in rome Mm -hmm. and the cool thing about rome is that they don't have any services for people with disabilities there and so their Rome Java Joy is now turning into our 360 program, which is our after school programs okay. and summer camps. So wow. even that component of it mm-hmm. is growing um, in a community that typically doesn't talk about disability because of Java Joy. Now they are. So y'all created Java Joy, started in Athens. So it's a mobile coffee cart that goes out. You can just book like you can just go online and book, book these carts. OK, so how do you find the the kids or the young I guess I keep calling them kids but the young men and women the joy ristas like how do you find them so typically we start with a nonprofit that's already working with them and we say hey will you partner with us and many of them are dying like when we went to San Francisco Toolworks Mm -hmm. is the organization we work with and they cannot find businesses that will work with their participants and so there's this guy named John out in San Francisco, and he had had like five jobs before he became a Joyrista. Okay. And he is this, he's on the autism spectrum, really mm-hmm. outgoing, but mm-hmm. again, no filter. And um, one day of being a Joyrista, hmm. his job coach said, he was born for this. this. It's always John, stop mm-hmm. hugging. John, calm down. John, mm-hmm. be a little more quiet. And then you have him in the you know bottom mm-hmm. of the Transamerica building in downtown San Francisco going, free coffee. You know, come get a hug. And it was perfect for him. So Toolworks was the one that introduced us to him. Best Buddies is another organization that we work with. Um, And what we do is they train for a certain period of time. Um, They have a navy blue apron. And they train with that navy blue apron in their whole gear. And then once they've gone through training, we have what we call a white apron ceremony. 
Okay, stop. And what happens? And I'm actually, I'm flying back into Atlanta tomorrow to go to one in Atlanta. But anytime we have a crew um, that's being, that's moving from training to mm-hmm. an actual job, um, they are given their own white apron and it is embroidered with their name on it. And they're given to them by a jewelry stud that helped train them. And it is I mean, it. everyone cries. Everyone yeah. laughs. It is the most beautiful <laughs> ceremony sure. yeah. um, to watch. And and these parents have this moment where they yeah. get to watch their child, their child right. become an adult mm. and contribute to their community in a way that no one else can do it. So um, the white apron ceremony is like... It is the thing. The thing. I'll have to send you a video uh, please tomorrow do. night. Please um, do. It's really, really cool. And, and any of the supporters that helped put it on, our people that donated to bring yeah. Java Joy to that area, all is there to cheer them on. And So how much? So like, seriously, if I wanted to start. Carmen's <laughs> like, where's the document? <laughs> if I wanted to start a Java Joy in Tampa, just say Tampa. I mean, how much would I need? Ten, fifteen thousand. How much is it? So for the actual materials, ten or fifteen thousand. Okay, but it's kind of the you more the need Chick-fil- more like fifty thousand. It's kind of the Chick Fil A model okay. where we're going to hire the person there. I see. We're going to manage the person there. Okay. We're going to provide you with all the marketing materials. Gotcha. So really, in order to fund it for two years, uh-huh. it's typically about two hundred and fifty thousand. Two hundred and fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and that it's going to take a little longer. Than it's going to take a little longer. But that's okay. We can do it. But we can get the materials. Yeah. All of that costs about fifteen. You. You cannot tell me that there is there's not business oh. men and women right now that would be willing to do that. Absolutely. I just believe it. I believe it. I too. absolutely believe it. And they wow. have not each of the cities have have raised the money that they needed. And the beautiful thing is when you raise it, then you yeah. don't have to worry yeah. about, okay, I've got to get X number of bookings yeah. to make ends meet. The first sure. two years you're just going out. And doing what you know how to, and you can pay, and we pay the joy Reese's a competitive wow, wage. That's they're so not amazing. doing it volunteer. That's amazing. They are being paid to do what they do, and they and they're trained to make the call. Like and they are trained to do everything. Yeah, yeah. We actually in Athens now have managers, so we've got like Nikki who has autism, yeah. mm-hmm. and Cool Man who I mentioned yeah. who went out to San Francisco. Yeah, they um they're now managing other joy Reese's. So there's like this upward mobility component to it as well, which is really really been cool to watch oh my goodness wow see I could just sit here and talk about Java Joy all day long it just has to be just just I don't know it has to just be a a, just this beautiful special just jewel for you it is and you know it's it's crazy because I I and I know I you know I can say this here Mm -hmm. I feel God working Mm. in so many places and spaces that he typically can't get into or people aren't open to it. It's like, like you said, a lot of our joyristas, Mm -hmm. they're unapologetic about their faith. Yeah. They are unapologetic about love, mm-hmm. and they can say things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like your that, skirt is right, coochie, right? Um, that, that we the rest right, of us can't. Right, right. And so that watching all of those seeds be yeah. planted in people's hearts is amazing. As divided as we are right now, as culture, as a country, politically, fill in the blank, culturally, there are some areas, praise the Lord, that no matter where you find yourself. We can all still agree on, you know what I mean? Like uh, the work that we do with human trafficking, like we can all agree that people should not be sold. You know what I mean? When it comes to to kids and people with special needs, we can 
all agree that they are to be championed and that yes. they're to be surrounded and that they are and they're just it's we've said it a million times already on the podcast but it's just there's just a purity and a sweetness that no matter where you are democrat republican conservative liberal when you encounter someone with special needs you can't help but be drawn to them you know yes. what i mean so i, I so I, just echoing what you're saying i would imagine it just breaks down borders and breaks down walls that we're just no matter where you're coming from it's just going to be something that's we're all going to experience and i think especially right now you know we launched atlanta and rome amidst the pandemic mm, wow and there was kind of this so we started doing a lot of virtual things mm-hmm. um joy starters which a, a company can book a joy starter online okay um and then there's little packages you can buy yeah um so we were doing all of that through the pandemic and then when it got to we were supposed to launch atlanta and rome last spring wow and we're like, okay, well, it's pushing it last spring. No, one, and nothing's open. And so yeah. we moved it to the fall. And it came to that point of like, do we do this? Mm-hmm. It's October 1, mm-hmm. 2020. Mm. And we have all gone through this global pandemic. People were definitely can't hug, right? So right. we've been doing air hugs. But right. like our whole business model is built on human connection. Right. And we're in a pandemic. Um, and I, I just remember sitting there and talking to one of my staff members, and then we had the board, a board member on the call, and we're like, we need to make this talk to our champions for both cities one way or the other. And in my core, I was like, people need this now. More than ever. More than ever. Mm. If we don't do it now, mm. what is this business for? Mm-hmm. What you know? What are we saying about these people's abilities? They can break down barriers. They can make connections. They can bring joy. They can bring hope at a time that we need it the most. What are we talking about? We absolutely need to launch it. We need to expedite the <laughs> launching of it. Mm. And we found that to be so true. Mm. I mean, people were I mean, right. unapologetically mm-hmm. booking Java Joy. Yeah. Please come to my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I want to see my neighbors again. You know, and we had to do all kinds of creative things to make sure that it was safe. Absolutely. But um, watching that happen through the pandemic was really a game changer for us because mm-hmm. it was like, no matter where our world goes, this is needed. You yeah. know, no matter who you are, no matter what neighborhood you're in, no matter if you're in a manufacturing plant or you're in a high rise in downtown San Francisco, Everyone responds to Java Joy in the same, same way. way. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, okay. A few more questions for you. I heard you mention um, a few minutes ago your TED Talk. So you've yeah. done a TED Talk. Oh my gosh. Tell it was me, the hardest I was going to say, of my like, life. I've got butterflies for, like, and I have never done one and never will, but. <gasps> Girl. Hard, one of the Ooh. hardest things I've ever done. Because, you know, I don't mind talking to a large group of people. Yeah. But the TED Talk is a different ballgame. I, I mean, say, there's a like cadence to it. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I watched it one time. And the entire time, they tell you to slow down, right? Because uh-huh. typically when I'm public speaking, I'm talking really, really quickly. And I'm talking about disability. And they're like, whoa. Yeah. whoa. <laughs> and so they were coaching me all the way through. They coach you for like three months to do this this process that you go through and so I'm in my mind I'm like okay slow 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 so I watched it back the one the one time I watched it and I'm like girl get with the program like make your point so slow I mean like snail's pace slow but what it did is it gave me an opportunity to share how I what we've talked about today just the view on disability Mm. and I kind of tied it to 
this this parallel that I think we all have this human experience of like seeing dandelions, like a dandelion when you're a child is this beautiful yellow flower and you pick it to bring it to mommy. And then somewhere along the way, what do you see a dandelion as? A weed. Mm. It's on the front of mm. of Roundup. You know, it is a weed. And so I parallel that to disability. And mm. I tell stories of my own kids that when they're children, how they see disability and then how we change as we age and we start seeing differences and we start seeing disabilities as negative things. And so the real challenge at the end of it is to to kind of rewind ourselves to our five-year-old selves and remember what differences looked like when we were young mm, um, and to look at within ourselves mm-hmm. to really figure out like, okay, what are, what are my abilities that I bring to the world and how can I maximize those abilities mm-hmm. um, and spread kind of that, that goodness away. So that's kind of the idea of the Ted talk. And it's been fun to, to use that human experience that everybody kind of can recognize and, yeah. and, um, and remember and parallel that to something that's often kind of uncomfortable mm-hmm. to talk about, which is disability. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, good. So it's been fun. But it was a really hard process. Oh, I was. Ugh. For sure. Yeah. And terrifying. Like, mad respect for you. The um, fact that you've done one. I've checked it off. I'll <laughs> never do it again. <laughs> Along those same lines, well, before I ask this last question, you're writing a book. You yeah. know of writing a book? Yeah. Do you have a title for it? I don't. I have so a, what they okay. call a working title. Okay. But. Um, so what's it going to be about? You know, the premise of it, I, I tell a lot of my story mm-hmm. in there. I tell a lot of stories of people who have been changed by our mission. Can you tell um, us one right now? Is yeah. there one that comes to mind? Oh my gosh, there there are so many. You know, one one of the stories I love to tell about, um, oftentimes I've been asked that question of like, why would God allow these mm-hmm. really hard circumstances mm-hmm. that these families go through to happen? And um, I tell the story of... Um, earlier in my career, I think I was 22, I was the camp, you know, camp director. I didn't call myself executive director yet, but okay. um, it, basically the same thing. We were at the pool and, um, you know, swimming is one recreation that all of our kids can participate in. And I was called into the bathroom. I was like on my 90th game of Marco Polo or whatever, <laughs> called into the bathroom. And um, one of our participants, Caleb, was bleeding and his buddy this 18 year old camp counselor was in with him. And um, so we called 911, of course. I mean, 911 is not an unusual thing. We serve kids with trachs and G tubes. I mean, you name it. So call 911, EMTs come in, um, take them to the hospital. And I, of course, ride with Caleb to the hospital and um, get to the hospital. Called his dad on the way, of course. His dad rushes to the hospital. Um, Immediately, his dad comes into the hospital room and hops in the bed with the then 21-year-old Caleb and is cradling his son, singing Jesus Loves Me to him. And um, I knew that he was a single dad, but I wasn't quite sure what the full story was. And so over the course of the four hours that were in the ER, Caleb turned out he was okay. And um, I started asking him questions like, what, you know, talk to me about your family. And he told me that um, when Caleb was born, his pastor told him that there was hidden sin in their family, which is why Caleb was born with an intellectual disability. And pretty immediately, Mm. um, he quit going to church 
and became an alcoholic, a workaholic, all the olics, and um, really separated himself from his wife. And he also has a typical daughter. And he said he was traveling one day and kind of had hit all low of lows Mm -hmm. and opened up the drawer of the bedside table of the hotel and opened up his Bible Mm. and turned to John 9, which is the story about the man who was born blind. Mm. And um, the disciples say, who sinned? Right. You know, his parents or him that he was born blind. And Jesus said, no one sinned. He was born blind Mm -hmm. so that people could see me. Mm. And he said he read John 9 and he shut his Bible. He quit his job that day. He moved home with his family. Mm. He learned to love Caleb, reconnected with his wife and daughter. And two years later, his wife was killed in a car accident. And he said... I would have never understood if it was not for John 9. And Caleb was born the way he was born so that the rest of us could see See Jesus. Jesus. And I'm so thankful that he shared that with me at such a young age in my career because Mm -hmm. it's really just become an anthem for what we're doing at ESP and just a reminder that God God works in the meek and the lonely and the... The lowly, he is oftentimes behind what it seems. Yeah, that's right. You think it's the person with cerebral palsy, uh -uh. but really it is God. Yeah. And he says that we entertain strangers. And I feel like we do that every single day. (laughs) Every time I get to hug a kid at ESP, I'm like, I don't know if this kid's Jesus or not. So I'm going to be real careful (laughs) with who's coming in the doors, you know. Um, But I really do believe that 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 is kind of, so that's kind of the message. And really, I kind of want non-believers to read it because I want them to see this is what it can look like Mm. to love Jesus is to love and find and to be changed by right the lowest yeah the meek Mm. the lowly it's really God is working through those people and they're the true like superheroes of Mm. sorts so that's kind of the the premise behind the book and I'm excited. So I keep joking. There's only I'm going to sell four copies, and all of their last <laughs> names are going to be Whitaker. Whitaker. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, not true. One of them will be Brown. What? Okay, okay, okay. So. But I'm excited about people hearing yeah. these stories, like yeah. Caleb's story, and gosh, Ooh. and and the contractor who didn't charge us for all of our concrete because he was so moved by our mission, mm-hmm. and you know the the guy from San Francisco yeah. who's buying and selling large IT companies he's moved by yeah. um our mission so it's not just people with disabilities it's in their families it is everybody in between and that's the story i really want to wow. tell Laura man okay one last question um what what's god teaching you right now in this season of life so Haley and I were actually just talking about this. Um, always, this is always one of my favorite questions oh, to ask, man. and even it around, really gets to it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Um, you know, I think particularly this last year, I have had to learn to step back and mm. truly hear God's voice, mm. which means mm. quieting all of the other voices in my life. And whether it's, you know, the news through all the pandemic or social media or whatever, there's a there's absolutely a place for that. But 
really being careful what I'm letting in Mm -hmm. to my life Mm -hmm. and what I'm letting into my children's life and particularly to my leadership, because I think um, through the pandemic, there were times we did not shut our door one day. Mm. We flipped our mission model. We started delivering food. We started doing emergency respite, counseling services, all these things. And no one would have faulted us if we had closed our doors sure. through that. But there were literally, whether it was children that were being neglected, marriages that needed help, that were helped through what we did during those three to four months, mm-hmm. that had I had not listened to God's voice in all of that, we could we could have lost lives. We could we I mean lives would have been changed if we hadn't. And so um, you know, I went on a sabbatical over this last year for a month, which I've never done, never left my children for three weeks, never left my organization for a month. And really all of that, the heart of it was turning off, letting mm-hmm. him be more and me be less. Mm. And if I'm going to lead this community and other communities, if I'm going to lead my people well, my family well, I need the power of Jesus. And the only way to do that is to turn everything else off and make sure I'm tuned in to him. To him. Mm, so. That's good. That's good. Last year was that was that was the big thing for me is Lord, don't let me waste this wilderness. Because in yes. a lot of ways it did feel like the wilderness because we didn't know and I didn't want to waste it. And I, there was something that told me that when the season was done that I was gonna miss it. <laughs> that I was yes. gonna miss what it yes. felt like just yes. the slower pace yes that there a lot of things got reordered in yes. my heart last year it sounds same like here. the same for you absolutely you are one impressive woman god is impressive well yes i'm the tool that yes, works through him he is impressive but you know what i have learned that just a simple yes yes just a simple yes and your yes is so evident so thank you for what you do. Thank you for having me. And I, let's get get to work on Java Joy Tampa. Yes, 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 yes. I I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna believe for that. Pray yes. for that. And yes. Believe for that. Yes. And when your book comes out, you let us know. You got it. And I'll have you right back here. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, thank you, Carmen. Oh, y'all! Didn't you love that conversation with Laura? And you heard it right here. My dream would be to have a Java Joy literally in every single city that the Joy FM serves. Hey, we're going to pray that into being. If you enjoyed this conversation or if you'd like to share it with someone, maybe you have someone in your life who has someone in their family who has disabilities or special needs and this might encourage them, uh, then be sure to share it and also give us a review. You can do that anywhere you listen to podcasts. So thanks again and we'll see you next week for another edition of Off Air with Carmen. Carmen.